Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study. Uh, I'm sure that you've noticed that our background this evening is somewhat reminiscent of the photograph that I posted this morning. That photograph was taken 81 years ago uh, when my dad and some of his high school buddies were on a roadster adventure that included an attempt to make it to the uh, ghost town of Bodie, which is located in the uh, the Sierras in Northern California. Uh, that photograph was taken when they were bolting the car back together as the road was pretty rough, and they decided it would be prudent for them to just turn around, hence they didn't finish the trip. Well, tomorrow morning, one of my high school friends, Mike Ferguson, and I are hopping in the John Martin special, and we're driving it to Lee Vining, California, which is about, oh, 30 miles uh, southeast of Bodie. And we're meeting up with another high school friend of ours, Jim Grady, with the intent on Saturday of finishing the trip and along the way uh, recreating the photograph. As you can see, I have various things that were in the photograph. Uh, recreating the photograph that my dad's friend Jim Miller took and my friend Jim Grady is going to take. I, I'm looking forward to it. It's just one of those neat adventures. And uh, I, what the reason I say all this is I'm requesting prayer. First of all, we need traveling mercies. You know, uh, <laughs> we're not 18 years old like the boys in the picture. However, I think we have some better roads, so I think we should be all right. And also, I'd like a uh, prayer that God show us where he would like that photograph to be taken. We know that it's on the road to Bodie. However, for some strange reason, they didn't mark it with their GPS. <laughs> so I was talking with a friend this morning, and she mentioned, hey, why don't you just pray that God show you where he would like the photograph taken? So that's my prayer request. Two things. Traveling mercies and where that photograph should be taken. So with that, without any more goofing off, uh, let's get into our Bible study tonight, which is in Matthew chapter 19, where we are finishing up uh, chapter 19, starting at the 13th verse. And so if you would be so kind to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the blessings that you bestow upon us. We do not deserve the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We do not deserve your grace and mercy. We do not deserve the fact that while we were yet sinners, you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for those sins. Lord, we thank you for this word that you have given us. We thank you for the opportunity to study it so as always, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to your word. And, above all, in this instance, keep me from messing up. And I pray this in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Okay, here we are. Matthew chapter 19, beginning of the 13th verse. It says, The little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them. 
for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Of course, we're looking for an out. Jesus said to him, thou shalt not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, because he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for rich men to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Jesus answered and said to them, See, we have left all and have followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you will have followed me. You who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And anyone who has left houses or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. That's where we're going to stop. This is a bit of a continuation from chapter 18, where here we see that the little children were brought to him, Jesus, that he might put his hands on them, that he might bless them and pray. But his disciples rebuked them. They rebuked the parents for bringing these children to Jesus so that they would not interrupt what Jesus was doing. Okay? Now, it's funny because Jesus just taught on this. In, again, chapter 18, verses 4 and 5, verses, Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one, in, one, whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Funny thing that the disciples had kind of forgotten that already. We find as us that they sometimes have a real short memory. Okay, now. Verse 14, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. 
and 15, he laid his hands on them, blessing them, and departed from there. Uh, you know, the kingdom of heaven is open to little kids, and it's our duty as believers to show the little kids the way to the kingdom of heaven, which is only through Jesus Christ. It's up to us believers to bring them to Jesus. Now, over the years, I've heard people say, well, my parents went to church, but they decided they'd let me figure on my lonesome whether I should do that or not. Okay, that sounds logical or something like that, because maybe their parents, oh, they're disenfranchised by the church by whatever whatever what whatever means and whatever church that might be. But it's kind of like saying, you know, I'm not going to teach my kids how to read and write. I'll let them make that own decision for themselves. You really think about it. Children need to know the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Because what matters more? Nothing. Okay. Now, verse 16 says, Now behold, one came and said to him, uh, Luke refers to this guy as a certain ruler, and he said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I, here's the word, I do that I may have eternal life. This guy seems to have a bit of an I problem. Again, wanting to earn his way into heaven. So he, Jesus, said to him, the ruler, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. Now, Charles Spurgeon says it this way, the argument is clear. Either Jesus was good, or he ought not have called him good, but as there is no one good but God. Jesus, who is good, must then be God. Okay, now, he goes on to say, but if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Okay, guess what? That's something that nobody can. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Ray Comfort. You may have seen him on television. You might have seen him with Kirk Cameron. Uh, where he'll go ask people, oh, like at Venice Beach or something like that, it's just, uh, are you going to go get into heaven? How do you feel if you're going to get into heaven? They always say, well, yeah, I've been a pretty good person and all this stuff, so I'm going to get in. So it's based on who you are, what you've done, right? He'll ask. And he said, but have you ever, have you ever stolen anything? Well, yeah. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Well, yeah. Have you ever lusted after somebody? Well, yeah. Have you ever hated anybody? Well, yeah. And then he begins to point out that Jesus says to hate your brothers is the same as murder. Okay, so now he, great comfort goes on to say, then so what you're telling me is that you are a lying, blasphemous, adulterous, murdering thief, and you think you can get into heaven? <laughs> we can't on our own. We can't on our own uh, works. It's through Jesus that we do this. Uh, back in chapter 5, Jesus uh, spoke about hating your brother 
as committing murder. And lusting after a woman is committing adultery. Again, just as Ray Comfort was pointing out to these people in these videos. Okay, so keep all the commandments. They can't do it. And of course, what does the young ruler say? He, the young ruler, said to him, Jesus, well, which ones? <laughs> he said the commandments. He didn't specify which ones. Okay. Jesus went on to say, okay, he's going along with this guy. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, Sounds like he's kind of full of himself. All these things I have kept from my youth. Okay. Paul addresses this in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start off by reading 4 through 7 where it says, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. So, the young man goes on to say, what do I lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and your treasure will be in heaven, and come follow me. Now in Mark 10, verse 21, Jesus, it says that Jesus loved him. So you can see Jesus, what have we been reading about mostly in here? Jesus has compassion for individuals, and he has compassion for this rich young ruler. And Jesus is saying, what you do is place your trust in Jesus, not in your riches. Okay, put Jesus first in your life, not in your riches. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, this is showing his love for his self, his stuff, pardon me, his stuff, more than showing his love for God. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with having, having stuff. Uh, it's just the position that you give it in your life. Okay. Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 tells us, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Again, putting your, your trust in material things. Uh, it's kind of like years ago, there used to be this bumper sticker that said, he who dies with most toys wins. And you may have seen it. You may even have had it on your vehicle at one time or another. But the fact of the matter is, he who dies with the most toys dies. Hmm. Okay, now, verse 23 goes on to say, 
Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Again, Jesus is using hyperbole to make a point. Now, years ago, I was involved in a Saturday morning men's Bible study, which was absolutely wonderful. I grew exponentially in my faith in this study. And we'd come up to this verse, and there was a man that was in our study who was, in the world's eyes, a self-made millionaire. Now, uh, we all know that nobody is self-made. It's through the will of God. Well, this man, who was a wonderful man, uh, had come out during the depression, de depression pardon me, uh, as he put it, hoboing from South Dakota over to Washington State. And when he got there, he worked, and he worked hard, and he earned money, and he never bought anything on time. He always saved and worked and saved for it. And he ended up being in the rubbish business. Uh, for those of you who are uh, gasser aficionados, you might think of Big John Masmanian or Fred Stone. Okay, now he grew this company really large and then moved down to Southern California and continued on in the rubbish business, eventually starting banks and all this stuff. Again, uh, always saving and purchasing these things. Now, so he ended up being pretty rich man. And so he takes this thing as, oh, man, I've been doing wrong here becoming rich. But the issue is, is a heart issue. He was also one of the most generous individuals I have ever met. When there were things that needed to be done at our little church in Ukaipa, he would sponsor it, and he wouldn't tell everybody that he sponsored it. Everybody knew, but he wasn't saying, look how neat I am. His heart was right. He did not put trust in his riches. It's okay to have riches. As a matter of fact, it's a good thing. So you can do as my friend did. Now, on the opposite end of that, had some friends from church, earlier church, who were divorced, and they ended up living together. Now, when it was posed to them, why are you living together without benefit of marriage? And they replied, well, if we were to get married, the taxes would just kill us. Hmm. Gee, that made me think, who is your God? Is it money? because you put money in front of what God's desire is. That's a pretty tough one. And I like these people. I love these people. But it's, it's a real tough thing that you have to address. Okay? Anything. Remember this. And I've said it over and over again. And using an old term, I sound like a broken record. Uh, Anything that comes between you and God is an idol. And we know that we are to have no other God before him. All right. So now, when his disciples heard this, 
But Jesus talked about it being easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And some people say, well, that's, that's a figure of a term that was in the wall around Jerusalem. Sorry, but unfortunately that specific gate wasn't done, wasn't built until after Jesus would walk the earth. But that's, that's okay. Anyway, um, they were astonished when they heard this because they said, who then could be saved? Now, a bit of this comes down to at the feeling that went through Old Testament on that if you were rich, you had possess, uh, possession, position uh, and privilege, it showed that you were being blessed by God. And if not, then maybe you weren't. Maybe you did something wrong, which is a bunch of baloney. There are a bunch of people who have done wonderful things who were not rich. But this, again, you got to think of the culture. So the disciples are asking, hey, who then can be saved? And Jesus answered them. says, he looked at them and said to them, with men... This, which is salvation, is impossible. We cannot, again, earn our own way. But with God, all things are possible. D.A. Carson puts it this way. Jesus is not saying that all poor people and none of the wealthy enter the kingdom of heaven. Because if that were true, it would exclude Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And to say nothing of David and Solomon and Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea was the rich man who gave his grave a unused grave. They would, you got to realize in the culture, they would put somebody in there until they rotted, collect the bones, put them in an ossuary, ossuary, I'm hopefully pronouncing that properly, in a bone box, and then they would reuse the grave, person rots, blah, blah, blah. This was unused that Jesus was laid in. And again, that was from Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man. So again, it doesn't mean that rich people can't make it into heaven. It's back to what's your focus on? What's the deal here? Are you focused on money? Is that your God? Or is God your guy? Okay, now, Peter then answered him and said, see, we have left all and followed you. Kind of to me, to me, this sounds a little bit braggadocious. It says, therefore, what shall we have? Now, we're going to go back to Philippians chapter 3 again, where it says, get to my right bookmark, there we go. We're going to start again with verse 7 where it says, What things, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things for the excellence of knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered, suffered the loss of all things, and count them all as rubbish. In the Greek, this word is dung, and a pastor who preached on it, this past weekend, that's really what, it, what, what Paul was trying to say here. It's a bunch of crap. Okay, all this stuff is a bunch of crap. It says that I, he considers them all a bunch of crap 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. All things are possible through God. Verse 28. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 29. And everyone who has, this is really what's great, anyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands. This seems kind of strange, doesn't it? But this is where it's qualified. Jesus qualifies it by saying, for my name's sake. Having lost everything to the world for the sake of Jesus. Okay. This is if your, if your parents, uh, ostracize you for your faith. If your children ostracize you for your faith. If your spouse ostracizes you for your faith. If for some reason your lands or whatever, your possessions are taken away, because of your faith, okay, all these you shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. William Barclay puts it this way, Jesus lays it down that there will be surprises in the final assessment. You know, we do, you've probably heard this say that there will be people in heaven that you don't expect to see. And there will be some that are, aren't there that you expected to see. Okay. It may be that those who were humble on earth will be great in heaven. And those who were great in this world will be humbled in the world to come. Um, my thought on this, again, is to strive to be humble. Humble doesn't mean being a sissy. Humble doesn't mean being walked over or anything like that. Humble means putting others before you, and especially God before you. All right, there we are tonight. Uh, again, if you have any questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks, please be sure to send them to me. I, again, I am desirous of uh, everyone who is within the sound of my voice uh, being saved. It's my desire that everyone that I talk to knows Jesus is their Lord and Savior. If there is something that I have said that might sound wonky and it, or something that I have said that you're questioning, please get in contact with me. I do not want that to be a hindrance to anybody. Yeah. And with that, may the peace of God that transcends all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.